This is Noel Lilly, and you are listening to a Warrior's Perspective podcast. On today's episode, I will be running through briefly my experience in receiving a letter stating that the County of Los Angeles Fire Department intends to terminate me. Enjoy. So in brief recap, I am currently in progressive discipline for my refusal to sign up with Fulgent and register my vaccination status with that company. That's the company that the County of Los Angeles has contracted with to do all testing and tracking of employees and their vaccination status or lack thereof. Everything that has led up to this point has been based solely on my refusal to take that first step and register. Not going to go into the reasons why I'm doing that in this podcast. I've talked about it before in other episodes, but the step that I'm currently at right now is the final step as I have received a letter from the County of Los Angeles Fire Department stating that they intend to terminate me and I have 10 days to come into compliance or to request a Skelly hearing, which would be my last defense against being terminated by the county. So I'll get into that a little bit toward the end of the podcast, but here's how everything went down on Wednesday, the 2nd of March. So a few days ago, as of right now, when this is being posted, I got a call from a captain at my station, good friend of mine, letting me know that the battalion chief had let him know that when I came into work the following day, I needed to go to the division chief's office for a meeting at 9 a.m. No other details, just simply show up 9 a.m. division chief's office. I had a grievance in that the final process of was visiting the division chief's office and having him hear out my grievance and make a final decision on it. And so I knew that had to happen and was definitely part of it. But I also assumed that I was going to get my letter of intent to terminate because other people, the handful that are also in my same position, had already gotten their letters or had received word that they were going to get them soon. So I figured it was going to be both the handling of the grievance and the letter of intent to terminate. The grievance that I had filed was over the five-day unpaid suspension, which was put into my file and counted as executed, even though I could not and still have not served the days off because we are still in a quote-unquote staffing crisis due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, That's partially true. During Omicron, when they handed those out during the big surge, we got those letters and it was absolutely the case that the county could not afford to have us off unpaid or not. And so that was the reason that they gave us the discipline so they could move forward with the process, but then actually didn't have a servant and told us we'll serve it at a future date. The surge has obviously gone away. Um, There's nobody sick with COVID right now, hardly. And so that has passed, but we do still have staffing issues in the county. We are still very short staffed. So I still have not served those days off. Came into work on Thursday, the 3rd of March, and got my gear on the rig, immediately got a call. And this call was a typical call for us in the fire department, at least in the station that I work at. A elderly lady, she was in her late 80s, had been in the shower. She had slipped and fallen down and couldn't get up. She had a life alert button. She pushed that and we arrived. We made entry into her apartment, came in. She was in the shower. Obviously had been taking a shower, so she was embarrassed. We got her covered up made sure that she was comfortable. And then we picked her up, got her on her feet 
And as part of that, I actually have to climb into the shower with with her in order to help lift her, which is something that I've done hundreds of times before. And so have all the other firemen that I work with. It's not, it's not something special that I've done. It's something that we do on a regular basis. So we made sure that she was covered up and decent. We picked her up, helped her walk to her bed, helped her sit on her bed, made sure that her daughter was coming and was going to take care of her and was going to take care of her for the rest of the day and that everything was good. And then we left. As we left the apartment, one of the things that I did before I got back on the rig was walk through the grass and kick my boots around because, as is fairly typical for people of that age who have been down for a little bit, unable to get themselves up, there was feces in the bottom of the tub where I was standing as I helped her get up. I share that and that detail because the contrast of that aspect of our job where we're there serving the public, doing our best to help on what was a bad day for that woman, contrasting that experience with the meeting that I then had to go and have, it was striking to me that that's been my job to serve the public, to take care of people like that and people in much worse conditions than that, to go from that where I have always done my best, just like everybody else I work with, to take care of the public and to do whatever I can for them. And then to go to a meeting and find out that sure enough, the county wants to fire me. And not based on anything that has to do with job performance, but something that has to do with a policy that has been written by the Board of Supervisors, by people that have never been in the field, who honestly don't know what we do day in and day out, and who have no clue the impact that we have on the community and the pride that we take in executing that mission and taking care of those people, just like that lady that we picked up. That's a very typical call for us on the fire department. It's the type of thing that we do all the time. And it's not glamorous. It's not dangerous. It's just part of the job. And being there, serving the public like that is something that we all do because we find value in that. And we, we want to be there to help people like that who don't have anybody else to help them. So I did that. And, you know, it's just like any other call, except after that, I come back and it's time to take my gear off the rig, shave, put on my uniform and drive over to the division chief's office for my meeting. So I arrive at the meeting and division chief is there, assistant chief is there, and I'm not going to go into detail about everything that happened, but I am going to highlight a couple of things that happened during the meeting. When I came in and sat down, the division chief read a portion of my grievance and he kind of paraphrased it, but basically he was reading a portion where I was pointing out that the actions of the County of Los Angeles had put a great deal of mental stress on myself and my family. And he paused and looked at me and said, the County of Los Angeles has not done that to you. You have done that to yourself through your refusal to comply with the policy. He said, this is happening to you and your family because of the choice that you are making. And I listened to him, I heard him out, and then I politely responded that while I understood his point and his position, I disagreed and that I view the entire COVID-19 policy of the Los Angeles County as being illegal. And I believe that'll be bared out in the court system eventually if it ever gets there. But I also believe it to be immoral. I believe that forcing someone to 
take a shot or any kind of medical treatment at all against their will is immoral. And so on those grounds, I'm resisting the entire thing. I don't want to participate in any of it. And that's the stand I'm taking. And to simply make the decision, as he stated, to comply would cause undue mental stress on myself and my family because I'm now compromising my integrity, compromising my morals and my values. And he shook his head and sighed and said that was difficult to hear. And then he moved on and read the final portion of my grievance in which I stated that the resolution I wanted from my grievance was for the five-day suspension to be dropped and removed from my record and for progressive discipline to be halted because I believed that it was inappropriate and discriminatory and a win to the whole thing in the grievance, which was like four pages long. He read that and then he laughed and said, well, we're way beyond that. And he laid that off to the side and he said, all you have to do to make all this go away is to register with Fulgent, declare your vaccination status and submit to weekly testing. And I said, well, I'm not prepared to do that. It's not something I'm going to do. And he said, all right, well, I'm sorry, but then we're going to have to do this. And he opened up a larger folder and pulled out the letter of intent to terminate, slid my copy across to me and began to read it. He read the entire thing, uh, which was a little bit tedious because all the language was the same language from all the other letters that I've received starting with my notice of requirement to test way back in, I think I got that in November, but he read the whole thing word for word. And then he told me that I had 10 days to come into compliance. And that if I didn't come into compliance within 10 days, the County would terminate me. And at that point I, I said, well, don't I get a Skelly hearing? Don't I have a right to request a Skelly hearing? And he kind of sighed and rolled his eyes and he's like, yeah, well, I guess I guess that is available to you, but it's not going to do you any good. And I said, all right, well, I understand that, but I'd still like to go through the process. So I'll be exercising that. And then he went on to inform me that if I did continue with this and allow the county to terminate me over my refusal to participate in the COVID-19 policy, that I would lose my retirement, which is just not true. The retirement system that I'm in isn't run by the county and the only way that you can lose your retirement is if you get convicted of some sort of felony and it has to be like a violent felony or something like that. So I've actually called my retirement company and had a conversation with them about what it looks like to leave county service with only 12 years and what happens to the money that's in my retirement. I've had those conversations with him. So I knew what he was saying was not true, both from that conversation and from observing other guys that have left the job early for various reasons. I didn't challenge him on that. I didn't feel like it was worth having the argument. I just found it interesting that that was a tactic that he was using to try to, I guess, encourage me or it felt like bully me into complying and signing up and doing what he and the county want me to do at this point. He then went on to say that while we had never met, he had been told that I was a good employee, that I was a hard worker. He had been made aware that I was a military veteran and he thanked me for my service. And he said that he was aware that I had a podcast and that I had been very vocal during this whole COVID situation, which he said with disdain in his voice, like he clearly didn't appreciate the fact that uh, I've been vocal, which I found mildly amusing. And then he asked if I had any questions and I said no. And that was it. That was the end of the meeting. And then I went back to work and finished the rest of my shift out. 
doing the stuff that we do as firemen. So we ended up actually running 18 calls for the rest of that shift, lots of medical calls, no fires, which is typical for us. So what happens next is if I don't do anything, according to the county and what I'm being told and what's in this letter, is if I do nothing, they'll terminate me in 10 days from the 3rd. So that would be the 13th of March. 10 calendar days, not business days. But I have those 10 days to call employee relations and schedule a Skelly hearing if I so desire. I can also have a Skelly hearing in writing, which means I would do a written response. They would review it and then respond. So I'm going to go for the in-person. I would like to have another opportunity to really kind of present my case and lay everything out. And for that, I have been instructed by our union that I just need to call them and schedule it out as far as I can so that one of the union reps can come and represent me in the scaling hearing. I get one person to represent me. And it's pretty typical that you would take union representation because that's part of why you pay dues is so they'll represent you in discipline. And they want us to schedule it out as far as possible so that it can fit within their schedule. It is... Uh, kind of up in the air as far as the time frame. I have been told that you have as many as 30 days to schedule that hearing and that if there's a scheduling conflict, you can reschedule it up to another 30 days out. So it seems like there can be some buffer there between now and when we have the Skelly hearing. What happens after that, once I go through the hearing and get my case denied because that's what I've been told and was told in that meeting would happen. But once that happens, I am not sure what the next step is. If it's just immediate termination or if there's another time frame after that for me to have an opportunity to come into compliance, those are questions that I have to get answered by my union reps in hopefully a phone call on Monday because it is the weekend right now. So I don't have answers for that right now. So my wife, Heather, and I have been talking a lot about this, and we've obviously been talking a lot about this forever now. It seems like it feels like we talk about it all the time every day, but obviously the rubber is really meeting the road right now, and the decision that I will be making in the near future will be the one, the actual big decision on do I come into compliance, do I register with Fulgent, tell them my vaccination status, and submit to weekly testing, or do I continue to say no and be terminated from county service and go on and do something else. So that is where I'm at right now. Your prayers are appreciated as my wife and I navigate making that decision. I have already been talking to a lot of people I respect and love in addition to my wife, getting their feedback, their wisdom on it, and I will continue to do so. One thing that has become abundantly clear to me through this process is that there is a part of me that no longer wants to work for the County of Los Angeles based on this whole situation, the way it's been handled, the way I've been treated. And I had a very strong feeling of that when I was sitting in the meeting with the division chief and the assistant chief with the condescending tone I was being spoken to with and with the dismissive just attitude that was on the other side of the table from me, it's difficult to feel valued and feel that the 12 years I've given to the county in serving the public is 
something that I want to continue doing. I will caveat that with saying that I don't really feel like I work for the division chief. I feel like I work for the people of Los Angeles County and I work for my buddies. I work with the guys in the station and we have a great thing at my station. We have a lot of really good solid dudes and I love that aspect of the job and the service aspect of the job. But there is a part of me that has changed in the way I look at it and the way I look at the organization at large. And unfortunately, I don't think the county really realizes how far that feeling spreads because there's a lot of people that I work with that I know well whose feelings on the county have also changed, even though they're not in the same position as I am. They're watching the way this is being handled. They're watching the way those of us that are resisting this are being treated. And for lack of a better way to say it, they're realizing, I think, more now that we're really just a number where our organization is so large and there's such a huge disconnect between us on the ground doing the work and the management that it really does change the way you look at the job when you really realize that and see it firsthand. We've always kind of known it was that way in our department because we are so large and because of our culture and how political it is in the higher ranks. But it's really becoming more apparent now that this is actually happening and that there are people, myself possibly included, that will be terminated over this. And the last thing I'll say about that is the irony of sitting and listening to the division chief tell me that they need me to sign on to Fulgent and register my vaccination status so that they can track it. When in the letter of discipline that he's reading from, it blatantly states that I'm an unvaccinated employee. So the county knows I'm unvaccinated. They're, they're aware of it. That information just doesn't exist in the Fulgent system because I haven't gone in there and checked the box and and said save. That's literally it right now. The weekly testing that I would have to submit myself to is not happening. The policy states that that is for unvaccinated employees that are waiting for or have been granted a religious or medical exemption. Uh, but that's not something that's currently gone on, going on, nor has it ever gone on, as we spoke about in some previous podcasts. So really, the only thing that I would be terminated for at this point is my refusal to sign up with Fulgent and register my vaccination status. And I've gone into before why I don't want to do that, but it's enough to say here that I strongly believe the entire COVID-19 policy is wrong and it's immoral and I don't want to participate in it at any level just simply based on that. And there's a lot of other reasons that I could justify it, but I feel like that alone is enough. And at least for now, that will suffice because we have talked about it on other podcasts. So if you're listening, you're already aware of those other reasons and those other concerns. So again, appreciate your prayers. Really appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you want to support me in this, the best thing you can do right now is to share this podcast, get it out there, uh, specifically the podcast in general, but also this episode, post it up on your social media, share it with your friends and family, just get it out there. And if you can go to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast, that would be huge so that it automatically downloads when we get a new episode out. That's very helpful. And if you can leave us a review, give us some stars, write some sentences about what you think of the podcast, that would be amazing. We would deeply appreciate it. Thank you again for listening, and we'll have more content out for you in the near future.
You guys are amazing. Josh, Andrew, and myself really appreciate the fact that you are out there spending your time listening to our podcast. Your support means a great deal to us. If you want to continue to support us, follow A Warrior's Perspective on Instagram. You can also find our own personal accounts on Instagram as well. Give us a follow so you can track what's going on with us each individually as all of our situations are slightly different. If you know anybody that you think should be on the podcast, it would be a good conversation for us that maybe a story you think people should hear, reach out to us at a warrior's perspective podcast at gmail.com. And if you can, and you feel led, get out there and get involved in the fight. This thing is still going on. It is winding down in a lot of places, but there are places where it is still obviously going full steam ahead and we need you to write letters, call people make noise, tell people what's going on, get the word out because this stuff only exists as long as we allow it to. And we need more people to stand up and say, no, this is inappropriate. And we are not going to continue to allow this to happen. A Warrior's Perspective podcast is hosted by Josh Zavala, Andrew Lawrence, and myself, Noel Lilly. Intro and outro music is written and performed by Andrew Lawrence.